0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from CityBridge Community Church. Our heart at CityBridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about CityBridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Well, it was about 12 years ago that I met this girl named Michaela, and uh, something began to stir up in me that I just began to know I wanted to marry this girl. And, and so I started to plan this proposal. And planning a proposal is kinda like planning a surprise party. Like you're doing all this work behind the scenes, but you can't actually reveal to the person that this is all about what you're doing. And so it was really hard for me in that kinda latter half of our dating relationship because she would ask me questions like, hey, how was your date? And I was like, great, and what'd you do? Uh, you know, I had to kind of generically answer that question without you know, simultaneously lying or giving it away. And so it was kind of a hard balance sometimes to strike. And so I wanted to share so much of what I was doing, but it was gonna give away the surprise that was coming for her. And so what I ended up doing was I grabbed a journal and I began to write into it every single day all the different things that I was doing. And so some of it was just kind of a series of events. Uh, special dates like the the time I went to go get and design her ring, or or the time that uh, I asked her dad's hand for for her, uh, not her dad's hand, but um, her hand from her dad, uh, which was uh, exceedingly awkward, honestly. Uh, some of it was just kind of those special dates. Some of it was uh, just kind of a list of things I was excited about of getting to know her, or know, know her more intimately and deeply as her husband. Some of it was uh, things that honestly would have been boring to anyone else, like the receipt uh, for her ring or just kind of a list of uh, uh, just vacations that we wanted to ultimately go on. So there was all these different things that I had put down on paper because I was so excited to start this life with her, and I wanted her to know all these different events that led me to her and led to this ultimate moment in which I would ask her uh, to do life with me. And so the day of our proposal, uh, I went, I proposed, hit my knee, uh, asked her to be my wife. She said yes. I said yes. And then when that kind of calmed down, I, I handed her this. And I just told her, hey, there were events over the last few months that you weren't a part of. And there were stories and situations that you didn't know about. But everything that's written in here is about from the moment I knew I wanted to marry you to this day. And what this is, is simply my heart on paper for you. And so I gave this to her. And so I, I say that because of this reason. Um, God has written to you this journal, this love letter. And he has written to you from a loving and caring God. And it points not just to words on a page, but it points to a deep reality of a relationship with him. And so he's given us His word, and that's what it is. It's this love letter from God for you. It wasn't written to you. It was written to different people in a different time, but it tells about these different events that you weren't a part of and stories that he didn't share with you until this critical moment of your life in which God wrote down these words so that at one point you would open them and you would see a story written out about a deep relationship with the God who is, who loves you, and is for you, and some of it is events, some of it is a list of things. Some of it might feel a little uh, hard to understand or, or hard to read or hard to track with, but the reality of it is every single word that's in here is pointing to a reality of a relationship that God wants with you. And so the truth is when many of us open up God's word, I'll be honest, it can feel sometimes like this, this list of things that good Christians are supposed to do. And when that happens, it becomes kind of lackluster in our life and it doesn't take much for us to kind of leave it and kind of wait until moments like this in which somebody else can kind of teach us what God's word says. But God wants to have this intimate relationship with you and it's not about words on a page, it's about interacting with the God of the word. And so the question we have to wrestle with is this. We become experts at excuses when it comes to engaging in the words of God, this love letter that God's written to us, we become experts at it. And so my question for you is simply this, what's your excuse? What's your typical go-to excuse of why you don't engage with the words of God the way that it's meant to? Why you don't linger there? Why you don't long for the words of God like Psalms 119 talks about? Because the truth is we all have that. Like for me, I can look at it and go, well, I've already read that passage and I mistake intimacy with just information about God. I mistake an intimate knowledge and knowing of God versus just information about data and facts and stuff like that. And this is not about information about a deity. This is about an intimate relationship with the God who is, who loves you. And so that's me, what's it for you? I hear so often people saying, well, I don't have enough time. Or hey, hey I, this is kind of busy right now in the season. And so maybe, maybe tomorrow or the next day. And what tends to happen is we cut off the source of life while we're just trying to live. And so I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is, whatever excuse you gravitate towards, the reality of that is whatever that is, it's missing out on what this is. That this is not about reading some ancient literature. It's about engaging with a God who loves you and cares for you and has written a story that you weren't a part of. And yet it moves into this critical moment where he invites you into a relationship with him. And so this morning, we're gonna be talking about the treasure that is the word of God. We've been in this series called Treasures in which really we're just looking at all these different treasures we've seen. we see and we asked a handful of our communicators, "Hey, in your journey with Jesus, where have you seen treasures marking you in your relationship with God?" Which is why the first week we talked about the only and ultimate treasure, which is God himself. That John 17:3 says that this is eternal life. It's not this ethereal sky palace that we get to die and go to, but eternal life is knowing God. And knowing his son, which means that we can taste eternal life today. And so every single thing we talked about in the series is about knowing this God. And so the next week we talked about the treasure of God's love, namely in the realm of discipline. How God guides and directs us. And when we get off course, he lovingly, like a father would, get us back to know him and to walk with him. Last week we talked about worship, about how we corporately can come together and sing praises to God who loves us and is for us. And so everything we, we talked about has been about how do we lead our lives to this one central end, which is God himself. And so this week, we're talking about the treasure map. If God is a treasure, then this is the map by which we walk with and walk towards him. It's the love letter that he's written to us. And so this morning we're gonna be looking at that and it's my hope that we wouldn't leave here with this like greater guilt to spend an extra few minutes in God's word, but we would leave here with a deeper love for the God of the word. And that love would motivate us to know him even deeper. And so this morning, we're looking at that, the treasure of God's word. In order to do that, we're gonna be in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Just these two verses that are bedrock in the Christian faith when it comes to our understanding of the scriptures. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible phones, turn with me there. And as you turn there, these two little verses will show us so much about the depths of why the word of God is a treasure. And so in these two verses, we're gonna see these three realities that the word of God is a treasure because it's inspired by God. It's inspired by God. It comes from God. It's God written to you. But it's also instructive to us in our daily life. And when those two things combine, this inspiration of God and this instructive to us, then it has this deep impact in our lives that sadly so many of us miss. And we don't want that for you. And I don't want that for me. And so let's dive in to see what God's word has to say about the word of God. And so first up, God's word is a treasure because it's inspired by God. 2 Timothy three sixteen says this, all scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. And so we need to pause there. It says all scripture is breathed out by God. And so some of your translations might just, jump to the reality of what that word means, and it's the word inspired. It's literally the Greek word uh, theopnostis. Say that five times fast. Uh, theopnostis, it's, it's theo and pneuma, which is God's breath or God's spirit. It's the only time this word is used in the entirety of scripture. It's just a combination of God and breathe, and that's what the Bible says is the word of God. It's the very breath of God. And though it's the only time this word is used, it's meant to help us think about the very first time God breathed life into someone. In Genesis chapter two, God took the dust of the ground and it said he breathed life into that dust and that breath animated this dust and it made him a living being. That the very breath of God, the spirit of God, God's breath animates humans. And that right here is what that word is talking about, that when God speaks, it brings us joy and life and meaning and purpose. And so this word right here is inspired by God, but don't miss it. It's inspired for the sake of intimacy. It's inspired for the sake of intimacy, that that word, one commentator said, is as intimate as a kiss, that God is moving towards you because there were events that you weren't a part of, and yet he preserved his word. Second Peter 1 says that he moved men along through his Holy Spirit to record exactly what he wanted to record. Why? Because he loves you, and he wants you to know him, and not just know information about him, but intimately know the God of the universe. And so God's word is inspired, and we can think about that in an academic setting. And talk about the trustworthiness and and how prophecy is fulfilled and how um, there's all these different realities of trying to prove that this was exactly what God wanted us. And that's good and that's noble and that's great, but do not miss why God did this. God did this because he loves you and he's for you. He inspired it for the sake of intimacy. And so for me, um, when I wrote this to Michaela, I didn't want her to become a scholar of my words. I wanted these words. I wanted her to read it. I wanted her to think about it. I wanted her to roll it over in her mind so that it would stir her affections for a deeper relationship with me. I wanted the words on this page pointing to the author of the words, and that's what God wants for you. It is a good thing to dig deep into the words of God, to be that scholar of God's word, but don't miss it. Scripture teaches that knowledge can puff up, make us arrogant because we know data. God wants you to know him. God's word is a treasure because it's inspired by God for the sake of intimacy. But it's also a treasure because it's instructive. It's inspired by God, which means it's trustworthy and it's true. And because of that, we can trust it as it instructs us in life. And so 2 Timothy three sixteen continues that all scripture is breathed out by God, and it says, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so here's reality. There's a way that seems right to us that leads to destruction. And so there's a way that we think the world needs to operate Our decisions that I need to make. And when I just kind of do it with my own wisdom or the wisdom of the world, it always leads to death and destruction. And yet here what it says is God's word is a treasure wine because it instructs us. And it says it does it in these four different ways and it's beautifully broken down. It says first it teaches you, it teaches you that the words of God show you that there's this right path that God wants you to be on. But then it says it reproves you. It shows you that you're not on that right path, but it doesn't leave you there. It says next, it corrects you. It shows you how to get back on the right path, but then it says it trains you in righteousness. It shows you how to walk forward in that path. You see that? Now, no matter where you're at in your walk with Jesus, there's things in our lives that we are constantly pursuing away from God, and God wants you to walk with him and walk towards him because he knows that's where life is found. And that's what a loving and good parent always does. And so my son is 16 months old. Um, He's at that age of development in which he's kind of walking around. He thinks he's talking, he's babbling, uh, but it's like so cute, he's running around just getting into trouble right now, which I love. And, And there's this moment a few weeks back in which in a series of like three or four days, Uh, he hit some very important developmental milestones. Uh, The first one was that he learned how to climb, which was super adorable and terrifying at the same time because once he did it, I was like, oh, that's so cute. And everything in our house has now become a danger zone. Like, you know, uh, later that day, uh, the following day, um, my son successfully locked me out of our house which was terrifying and wildly impressive uh, because he can't reach the, like, the knobs. And so what happened is I left the house and uh, I, was, I was in the backyard, I was getting food for our dogs and all of a sudden I hear this click behind me. And I look back and my son's sitting there next to this giant like window and then he starts banging on the door and that little arm on a sliding door just fell down. And I looked at that and I was like, oh no. Like, what just happened here? And that was really impressive, buddy. Like, this is crazy. I call my wife and she's like, break every window of the house, get in there. And I was like, well, he's right here. I can kind of like entertain him for a little bit. How long is it gonna take for you to get home? She was like, 20 minutes. I was like, well, I guess I'm entertaining him for 20 minutes. And so he had no clue what was going on. She finally gets home. We get into the house. I hold him and cry. You know, like, uh, later that week, my son successfully Uh, found and tried for the first time ever dog poop (laughs) my wife texted me that little gym and uh, I just told her gosh I hope he hated it Um, (laughs) and by God's grace he spit it out and I was like thank you parenting win Uh, but for each one of those moments what did we do We saw him in his little mind thinking, hey, there's a way that seems right to me that's gonna lead in disgustingness, right? And we as loving parents did what? We trained him, right? We guided him. We replaced the dog poop with Cheerios, all right? We moved him to other parts of the house. Uh, We sang the Uh uh-oh song, which for those of you who are familiar with love and logic, it just goes like this. Uh Uh-oh, and you pick him up and move him to another place, and that's supposed to somehow... um, Help. So uh, (laughs) we did that. Now, why are we doing all this? Because we're oppressive parents that want to rob him of life. No, it's because we love him and we want him to have life and life abundantly. And there's times that honestly, it doesn't make sense to him. There was a time just two weeks ago, I was holding him down while, while doctors are giving him shots. He doesn't understand that but I know that this for is good. And so God looks at us and he goes, I love you and I'm for you. And there's a way that does seem right to you. And there's a way that seems right to the world, but let me tell you something, that only ends in your destruction. And so I want you to know me. I want you to walk with me as you walk towards me in this life because there's a better life knowing and following God. So he instructs us like any good parent would. And so Psalms 119, I love it. It just says this. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to our path. And so here's the truth. This world is broken and this world is dark. And yet what God has done is he has given us this lamp that's meant and designed to give us our next faithful step in life. It says, the word of the Lord is a lamp to my feet. It shows me what my next steps are. But then it lights up my path as I get to know him and walk with him. And I found this so true in my story in my life. Like whenever I was in elementary school, like I know a lot of the kids in here, I was a scared kid. I was a scared kid. Uh, Kids, I don't know what you would feel like about yourself, whether you feel like a scared kid or maybe you, you struggle with anger or, you just feel alone a lot. I was a scared kid. I, just, I would lay in bed at night and just think, what is the worst thing that could happen to me in this moment? <laughs> Which is a terrible question to ask as a kid. And I would be so scared in that time, and yet what my church had done was they had taught us the Lord's Prayer, just like our kids' ministry teaches scripture memory every single month. And so I would sit there at night, and I would just recite the Lord's Prayer over and over on it. I would meditate upon it, even though I didn't know what that word meant, and I would pray And what was so beautiful is I would fall asleep meditating on the words of God as the God of the word casted out my fears. When I went to college, I struggled with depression. I went from being scared all the time to being sad all the time. And I didn't know why, I just did. I just felt that way and I couldn't dig myself out of the pit and all of a sudden, all my friends kind of left me and so I felt even more and more alone. And yet into that season, God's kept bringing me back to 2nd, Timothy 4, in which Paul, when he was on trial, he just said, look, at my first offense, nobody came and stood by me and everyone deserted me. I was completely alone. He says, look, I don't want that to be charged against them. This isn't about them. He says, but the Lord stood by me and he strengthened me and God kept bringing me back to that anchor and being a light unto my path in that season that was so dark for me. I graduated college and I went off and I started this job and literally after two or three years on paper, it was my dream job. And for some reason, I was wildly miserable. And so an opportunity came up in which my wife and I could literally sell everything that we own and come up to uh, this place and do this thing called the Watermark Institute. And so we had to decide in that moment are we gonna leave the comfortable that I'm getting paid well and, and move into a land we knew not of, Plano? <laughs> and take a risk and take a chance and trust that God has us. And he kept bringing us back to Proverbs 17:1. says, better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. The message translation, I'm assuming, would say this. Better is ramen noodle (laughs) with joy than steak with sadness. And so we left everything, and it was scary, and yet the God who led us here was the God who provided for us throughout it all. And he kept bringing us back to his word as this light unto our path. And so many of us go to the words of God and we kinda think it's this like Christian self-help book. It's meant to guide us, yes, but so often in a way that we don't even think, because it's meant to guide us not to, if something is left or right or what decisions we need to make in every single specific moment, it's meant to guide us to God. Because he's our good shepherd. who walks with us in the green pastures and lead us in and through the dark valleys because he's with us always because he's the true light. And so this is so true in my life in these bigger moments, but it's also true just in, in daily moments of, of moments in which I go home and it's a long day and I, and I look at my wife and I just remind myself of Ephesians five, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I go, okay, that's my path until I go to bed tonight. Whenever I put my son down, almost every single day, I've prayed over him, Psalms 1, because I want him to be a blessed man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he would meditate day and night. And when he does that, he would be like a tree planted by streams of the water who is Christ. I want that for my son. And kids, we want that for you. The word of the Lord is a lamp unto our feet and it's a lamp in hard times and it's a lamp in great times as we can come to Psalms 150 and say, praise the Lord for everything he is and everything he's about, for what he's done for us. And so the question I have to ask you is simply this, what is lighting up your path? What do you go to when life is hard or life is great or life is mundane? What do you go to that gives you that instruction because so many of us, if we're honest, we go to the world to try to like numb our pain or just distract ourselves from reality or try to fuel this fear in us that's already there. And when we go to the world, we end up exacerbating the reason we went to the world in the first place because we go to the world trying to numb our pain because we're anxious and all of a sudden we become more anxious. Or we go to the world because we're afraid of what's going on and we just want some news article to validate some turn of events reality, and so we go to the the news and we go, okay, I'm now more fearful leaving. God is looking at you going, don't go to the world and then don't go to your own thoughts and wisdom and navigation of life thinking, hey, I got this, I can figure this out, and then leaving the Bible for the last possible chance of going, okay, I've tried my way, it doesn't work, okay, I guess I'll see what God's word has to say. That's not what God wants for you. He wants you to have life, and life abundantly, Which is why 2 Peter says this, that we in this dark and chaotic world, it says we have this prophetic word, this scripture more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until a moment happens, until the true sunlight comes and shines into this world, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts when Jesus returns. The word of God is a lamp unto your feet, to light unto your path. So put down the phone for a moment and actually engage with the God who doesn't just wanna numb your pain, he wants to remove it and replace it with beauty and dancing and joy. He's the God who takes graves and makes gardens. So the word of the Lord is this treasure because it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. It's a treasure because it's inspired by God. It's a treasure because it's instructive to us. And when those two things combine in our lives, it becomes impactful to how we love him, how we live our lives, and how we love others. It says this as the verse continues. Verse 17, it says, God's doing all this why? so the man of God, the person of God might be complete, Equipped for every good work. Don't miss this. Do not miss this. It's impactful for you. God wants you to be complete. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to have a fullness in life. He wants to breathe his very life into you. But then he also wants you to love others. He says, I want you to be equipped for every good work. And so think about this for a moment. What type of being is so loving and so caring and so pure and so holy and so wise and so just that to listen to his words actually gives you the life you want and the joy you long for and the love you need. And not only gives you the love that you need, overflows you with the love of God to transform other people's lives. What type of being is that? That is the God of the word. That is the God of creation. That is the author of his word. And the author of his word wrote himself into the storyline. When the word of God, not words on a page, but the word of God became flesh. And it says in John 1, he dwelt among us. And when we saw him, we saw the glory of God manifest in our life, and we got to see the God who is become what he was not because he loves you. Do not miss that. Because he wants you to have life, and he knows that life is only found in him because he is life, he is love, he is joy so you can't find that in any other place outside of him because it ultimately does not exist. There is none like him and nothing is better than him. And we need him. And he's given us this treasure map. He's given us this love letter. And it's inspired, it's instructive, it's impactful into our lives. And so City Bridge, maybe we should read it Maybe we should create habits in our lives to linger with the God of the universe who is willing and wanting to meet with you because he's already here. And so question, how do you posture yourself before the word of God so that the God of the word could read you and to change you and to transform you? Well, in my journey, there's been these five things that have been deeply helpful for me. Whenever I feel off course, these five things have been really helpful just to help me get back. And the first is to make your time with God consistent. Make your time with God consistent. I tell people all the time, find a time, a place, and a plan. Find a time where you're the most alert. For some of you, that's early in the morning. For me, that's not. Okay, people that wake up early in the morning, I take the fact that people like that exist on faith because that's crazy to me. When are you the most alert? For some of you, it's early in the morning. God bless you. For some of you, it's at lunch. For some of you, it's in the evening. You find the time where you're the most alert. You find a place where you're the least distracted, even if that means you have to leave or create some space for yourself. And you find a plan that works for you. And we're all different. There is no right path outside of the path that's with and towards God. So you make it consistent. Families, I hope this week that you can get aligned, that you know one another's plan. Community groups, I hope this week you can get aligned knowing, hey, what's that time? What's that place? What's that plan? And so you make it consistent. And I don't just mean this little bitty quiet time in the morning and then you move throughout your day and you kind of are unchanged, but rather you're consistently throughout the day thinking and meditating on the word of God. Psalms 1 doesn't say, blessed is the person who reads God's word. It says, blessed is the person who meditates upon it. This past week, I was so encouraged, just the last few weeks really, so encouraged just Thinking through Psalms 23 throughout the day, I just kinda challenged myself. Anytime I thought of it, I just would go go ahead and roll it throughout my, my mind. And I just was reminded that in green pastures and in dark valleys, I have a God who leads me and shepherds me and loves me. You make your time with God consistent. Next, you make it creative. Routine is helpful in relationships but routine can turn into ruts pretty fast. And so we make it consistent, but we make it creative. I ask people all the time, find what stirs your affections for God and pursue those things. So what stirs your affections for God? For some of you, it's journaling. For some of you, it's music. If you're like me, I love nature. I love being outside in nature. This past week, just in a really hard time of the week, I just went out into this field over here, which is not a pretty field, um, but it did have a pretty flower in it. And in that moment, I just reminded myself that Jesus commands us to study the flowers because he says in the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to study these and I want you to remember that I, there's a God in heaven who takes care of, not just this flower that's gonna be here today and gone tomorrow, but takes care of you. And I got you. And so I don't know how you're gonna make it creative. For some of you, you just need to ask other people, hey, what do you do that stirs your affections for God and start trying things out, but make it consistent, make it creative, and next, make it communal. The, the Bible was never meant to be read in isolation only. In fact, that's when a lot of weird stuff happens in church history. All like the cults go their own way, why? Because some guy read it on their own and then they went off and just started making stuff up. The Bible is meant to be read as a community of people that God has given us and us. That's why we're City Bridge Community Church. And so for some of you, you need to wake up to the reality that you reading the Bible is not about you that you are a part of God's provision for other people in your life. And so some of you this week need to look your spouse in the eye or look your community group in the eye and ask for their forgiveness because you're not spending time in God's word. Because you are a part of their provision to know God and to walk with them because there will come times when someone who you love needs to hear truth and you need to be ready for, to give a defense for the hope that's in you, which is Christ. We're City Bridge Community Church, you make time with God communal. It should be a common reality that you're asking people in your community group and in your family, hey, what are you learning in God's word? How is that making you love God more? How are you living that out this week? How's it impacting your life? You make God's word, time with God in his word, consistent, creative, communal, and then you make it challenging. You figure out, hey, what would be growth for you this year? What are areas that you wanna double down on or or how do you grow? We have a plan for everything. Have a a challenge, have a goal with God's word and so maybe it's making it consistent for the first time or creative for the first time or communal for the first time or maybe it's memorizing longer passages of scripture so you you can have the words of God penetrating your mind throughout the day. I don't know what that is for you but make your time with God challenging. What would be growth for you this year? And then finally, and most importantly, as you're making it consistent and creative and communal and challenging and all that stuff, you better make it Christ-centered because it's only about him. We don't care how many Bible studies you go to. We don't care how often you spend in God's word. If it's not leading you to know and love Jesus, then congratulations, you're a Pharisee that Jesus would look at a a group of people that had this book memorized, not read, not meditated upon, memorized, and he would say to them in John five, you search the scriptures in vain, why? Because you think in them you have eternal life. That's not what they're there for. They are there to testify about me. This is all coming back to one central reality, a relationship with God. The chief end of the Christian life is not the Bible. It's God who has made himself known to us, yes, through his word, and ultimately through the word who became flesh. And so if you're reading the Bible and making it the end and feel lackluster and feel, I think you're doing it wrong. That God is inviting us into this deep relationship with him. That as we read words on a page, it points us to a deep relationship with the God of the word. That we read this love letter, we follow this treasure map, and what we seek, we find. Because we find him. That we wouldn't just read it, but we would respond to it. And so, as I was planning that proposal, I wrote this all these entries to my wife and so excited to give it to her because I knew she was gonna read it and not because simply she likes reading, but because I knew that these words on a page were my heart for her and that she would not only read it, but she would fall more deeply in love with me. And so what I love about my wife is she didn't just read it, she responded to it. I woke up on the day of our wedding and I walked out and I saw this sitting on my car and it had this little bookmark in it and I opened it up and the last page that I wrote to her was the first page that she wrote back to me and she expressed her love for me and her excitement for a relationship till death do us part. When God wrote to you His heart was not just that you would read it because that's what good Christians do. His heart for you was that you would read it, yes, but respond to it. That you would have this deep relationship with the God who loves you, who's not mad at you, who wants you to have life and life abundantly in Christ alone. And when you begin to see that the word of God is inspired by God, it's instructive to your life and it's impactful in everything you do, you'll begin to see more clearly a God who is with you and cares about you and loves you. And that, friends, is the treasure that transforms you. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at Citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at CityBridgecc. See you next time.